Welcome to the Journey Beyond Divorce podcast, where we invite you into a journey of healing and personal transformation that will radically change your divorce experience, heal your heart while refining your character, and set you up to be effective and feel empowered as you navigate the practical and emotional challenges of divorce. I'm your host, Karen McMahon, founder of Journey Beyond Divorce. My divorce brought me to my knees, and it also transformed me and set me on this path to help you. Our team of JBD coaches support men and women to engage in divorce with more calm, clarity, and confidence through our one-on-one coaching, group programs, online courses, and free resources. What I needed in those early days, frankly, was sex. I just wanted to have sex all the time. I was like a free, I was free. I felt so free. I felt free from like all of the ways in which my mind had built up things to be taboo, all the shame I had assigned to sex over decades, all the shyness and embarrassment. It was gone. Like I just worked my way through these men and with every encounter I had, I just shed more and more inhibitions. And in doing so, it also allowed me to figure out what I wanted. Welcome to Healthy Romantic Relationships, where we invite you to consider exactly what you need to know about yourself and your new partner. Learn about the foundational pillars and dynamics of healthy relationships and how to give and get the love you want. We speak with experts about communication, personality and attachment styles, sensuality and sexuality, and when to consider remarriage and perhaps a blended family. If you're yearning for a healthy, vibrant, romantic relationship post-divorce, we're here to support you. Welcome back to another episode of Healthy Romantic Relationships. We have a very special guest today. Her expertise, uh, a little different from our other expert guests, is... um, as a divorced mom. And the title of today's episode teases our content. An unconventional approach to finding oneself and healthy love after divorce. And that's exactly what Laura did. I'm excited to share Laura's journey with you and the delicious experiences she had while finding herself and new love. Uh, But before we jump in, who is Laura? Laura Friedman Williams is the author of Amazon number one bestseller, Available, a very honest account of life after divorce. She's been featured um, on dozens of podcasts about divorce, dating, sex, and midlife And she writes on a blog about these subjects for Medium. Uh, I think you're going to be really interested and excited about today's conversation. Welcome, Laura. Thank you so much for having me. I love the title of the show. 
unconventional. Yes. Love it. Yes. <laughs> That's fun. Yes. So Lori, you know, here we are, we're in healthy romantic relationships. We went, just went through a mini series on dating post-divorce and we're talking to all these experts on what makes a healthy relationship and how do you like transition into a healthy relationship. And we did the same thing with all of our dating experts and, and then I stumble across you and you have a very interesting and unconventional uh, way that you navigated your post-divorce getting to know yourself life. And so uh, this is an episode that I am hoping will um, expand people's perspectives, uh, bring a little levity, uh, curiosity, and uh, perhaps a little titillation. <laughs> And uh, so before we dive into the book, can you just give our listeners a little bit of the backstory of, of your um, marriage ending and, and how you found yourself on the path of divorce? Yes. Well, actually, what's funny hearing you say this is that my life and relationship, marriage, et cetera, my, my whole um, life was very conventional um, up until the moment I got divorced. So if people are listening and they think that, you know, I've always been a little bit out of the box, I want to be clear I wasn't. Um, I was a um, stay-at-home mom. I met my husband when I was 20. We married right you know, out of college um, and had three kids. And I was a stay-at-home mom for over 20 years. And uh, I was really content. You know, I had a very nice life. I was a PTA mom, I was a PTA president. I ran book fairs and bake sales. And um, my husband worked long, crazy hours. And I felt like he was my best friend. And I felt we had a really nice life. 27 years into our relationship together, I discovered that he was having an affair. Um, to say that I was blindsided does not even begin to describe the feeling I had, it was like I exited one life and entered a new one. Um, and the very conventional life that I had had was very abruptly over. And one of the things I realized was it served me well for a long time. But now in my midlife, in this new era that I was entering as a woman uh, in a completely different position, being, leaving, living the conventional life I had been living was no longer going to serve me very well. That's what I very quickly discovered. Yeah. And you talk in the beginning of your book about um, how devastating it was and like literally needing to scrape yourself up off of the floor. And I think it's important. So many of our listeners uh, are facing one type of betrayal or another. And so uh, once you found out about the affair, it sounds like life kind of stopped for you for a little while. Uh, it was miserable. I mean, definitely the darkest period of my life. And I've gone through some dark periods, uh, but this was something unlike it. it was, I had no control over it. You know, this thing had happened. My husband had fallen in love with another woman. He did not, he, he was not happy with the life that we had built together. And for me, it wasn't just the betrayal. It wasn't just that he had had this dalliance with another woman because he wasn't even sure that he wanted the marriage to end. He wanted to try to work it out with me. But it was, for me, the seismic shift was an understanding that my perception of our family was so different than his perception. And it terrified me to think that I could live so comfortably within a unit in which I really only knew a small portion of what was happening. I felt like I had been blind 
And that was scarier to me than almost anything because I just thought, oh, there's so much I didn't know. Was it because I stuck my head in the sand? Is it because he wasn't communicating well with me? Is it because I didn't want to see what I didn't want to see? All those things were true. You know, at the end of the day, every one of those things is true. Um, And I had to do like a pretty hard reckoning with myself uh, to get myself through it. You know, in the beginning, it was just like crying all the time and panic, crying and panic. And, and you know, what, what, what is my life going to be? And what's interesting about what you say is, I mean, I think betrayal adds another layer, but I have many friends who have been through divorce and there's no betrayal involved. There's no infidelity and it still hurts so badly. You know, it still feels out of control. Often one person is driving it more than the other. And even for the person driving it, you know, they don't always understand what, what's happening. So I really empathize with people on both sides, you know, unless somebody's being a jerk, I don't empathize with anybody who's being a jerk. <laughs> I just want to say that when my husband was being a jerk, I didn't empathize with him either. He came out of it. He came out of it. So, um, you know, we, we got through Well, we eventually forgave him, but I, um, but I do think it's, I always want to recognize that just because for me it was infidelity, I don't think it necessarily matters. I think the end of a marriage is so painful, no matter what the circumstances were leading up to it. So, you know, you have this really interesting story about once you emerged from those early stages of just devastation, denial, depression, all of that, uh, The the experts we've spoken to talk about, you know, writing your profile and getting your pictures and figuring out your ideal guy. And so there's all of these like really wise and valuable steps to take. And and yet you um, you took a, a slightly different path. And I love how you describe in the book, uh, why you took that path. Like you had a need, there was a need that you had and, and then your unconventional way of meeting it. So let's just dive in okay. a little bit and yeah. share what happened. Well, I don't think I was thinking too much. I would say that is one of the biggest things I was acting, not thinking. And for somebody like me who her whole life had been such a planner, and always had everything lined up. And I was always like mentally like uh, figuring out where we were and where we we're going to be, you know, whether that was a trip or just in life. Um, I kind of just thought there's so many things that really haven't served me very well up until this point. And now it's about survival. So mentally, I have to survive this. I have to be a good mom to my three children. I have to be present for them. I have to be strong for them. I can't do that if I'm just crying all the time and if I'm miserable and scared of what my future is going to look like. So now I need to know what my future could look like. And so I really forced myself out the door um, just to see what it was like. What does it mean to be 40? I guess at that point I was 48. What does it mean to be a 48 year old woman single? I haven't been single since I was 20 years old. What does this look like now? You know, I've given birth three times. I'm in a very different life stage. Uh, and what, what do I don't even know what I want. Maybe I want to be married tomorrow to a new man. And maybe I never want to be married again. But once I had my first taste of what post-divorce love and life could look like, it changed everything for me because I realized how out of touch I was with my own body and and out of touch with myself and that no man was going to be able to fulfill that for me if I didn't know what I needed and listen to that voice that told me what I needed. What I needed in those early days, frankly, was sex. I just wanted to have sex all the time. 
I was like a free, I was free. I felt so free. I felt free from like all of the ways in which my mind had built up things to be taboo, all the shame I had assigned to sex over decades, all the shyness and embarrassment. It was gone. Like I just worked my way through these men. And with every encounter I had, I just shed more and more inhibitions. And in doing so, it also allowed me to figure out what I wanted. Not that I know, even now, you know, it's four years. I don't necessarily know what I want. I know, I kind of know what I don't want. But I think I learned, I just decided, I, my first goal was I'm going to figure out what men want. And I'm going to figure out, um, like, what makes a woman attractive to a man, you know, sexually and physically. And really, once I started doing that, I realized right away, it, it really wasn't about them. It was about myself. Yeah. And then okay, I think, that was... All, explore all these things, you know, to get to know myself better. I mean, I had been really in a box for 27 years and now I'm out of the box. I can either try to get back in it, right? I can try to recreate the life I had or I can say, screw it. I'm going to look for something totally different. And that's what I did. Yeah. And, you know, it's so interesting because we talk to our clients all the time about um, using divorce as an opportunity to yes. reinvent themselves. Uh, your reinvention was a little bit different, though. Uh, and and what I love is even the, the story. So so you were um, you were at a, a vacation house or a country house with yeah. your family and. Uh, and and that was excruciating. So here you're with the kids and and the ex or My soon ex to be ex. Yeah. Was he ex at that point? Well, we and, separated. Yeah. And uh, and you decided to go out the first time. And as I was reading those pages, it was just I could feel that having been there myself, that like awkwardness of, yeah. you know, how do I do this and. And do I like what I look like? And 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 how do I melt into the wallpaper, but not really? And do I want someone to talk to me? And yes, but no. And so can, 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 let's just dive a little bit into that first story, because what's fascinating is, is, is how it unfolded. And then the human being that you met and actually a special experience that you had that um, you know, I was thinking, wow, that sounds very kind of God like God was in that. Um, and yeah. so, so, so go ahead and tell a little bit about that story. So it had been about six months, um, since my husband and I had separated and I wasn't sure even that my marriage was over, but we'd been living separately. And I, I knew I needed to date other people. I knew I just needed to see what it felt like to be dating. And if that was exciting to me or terrifying, but for about six months, I really couldn't do much. And then one night it just, I had the idea, like, I just need to go do it. There's no other way to do this, but to do it. Right. Like I can sit home and think about it. I can speculate about what this would look like. But if I'm sitting in my room with the door closed, wearing, you know, a 30 year old pair of underwear, like this is where I am. There's no there's no forward momentum. It's all in my head. So I just forced myself out of the house and I went to a bar by myself um, in this town where I was in upstate New York with my family for the summer for part of the summer. And um I sat at this bar and I did exactly what you're saying about feeling like you want to be part of the wallpaper, but you also want to be seen. I kept thinking I must be invisible because nobody seems to see me. And I'm just listening in on all these other conversations and watching people come and go and interact. And there was a part of me that felt like I sort of had left my body and was watching the scene. 
and thinking, where, how do I belong here? And the answer was, well, you don't, (laughs) you absolutely do not belong here. What happened in your life that at the age of 48, you're suddenly sitting in a bar by yourself with your three children in other places and your husband, you know, with another woman, like, how did you end up here? And so, um, I could have gone, you know, I could have spiraled fast from there, but I thought you, you're out. You promised yourself one drink. You'd sit here, you'd have a drink. You'd sit here for at least an hour. You promised. And so I said, okay, I'm going to do that. And then suddenly this man walked in and it was the craziest thing because it was like, I manifested him and I don't believe in anything like that. I'm not like a manifester, but there he was. There was like one person in the room under the age of 70. And it was this one man who was single. I mean, what are the chances? (laughs) I think that all the time, what are the chances? Like, I would never believe this story if I read it in a book. You know, I would just say like, no way, no, it couldn't have happened. But in walks this guy, he was a little younger than me, very handsome, tall, waited for a woman to come around. She didn't, I saw that he was single. I got his attention clumsily, you know, by like getting off my chair and moving it around, like away from him, like as if he was in my way so that he would talk to me, which he did, but just to say he was sorry for being in my way. And then I was alone again. (laughs) And I just kept thinking, okay, no one here knows that you're heartbroken. No one here knows that you've got three kids at home. No one knows that this is your first night out in 27 years with a man who is not your husband. No one knows. It's just whatever you think the role is supposed to look like, just play it. And so that's what I did. And I did it pretty well. I mean, I definitely got his attention again. You know, I learned how to, I gave my my, sh- my smile, my shoulder shrugs, you know, I waved my hair around and we ended up leaving together. And, um, and I, and then I became very bold and I just said like, basically, you know, let's, let's go back to your hotel, um, which was up the road. He had wanted to get something to eat and I didn't want to eat anything. And he wanted me to sit with him. And I was like, of course I'll sit with you. But I knew, I just felt like we were just building up to the inevitable and I wanted just to get there. I needed to get it done. So I said, are you really that hungry? And he got what I meant. He kissed me and, you know, like backed me into a wall. He kissed me so hard. And I was like, oh my God, I think I just came alive. Like, I think someone just plugged me in. I'm like, I'm ready for this. I'm ready. Let's do this. So we walked up, we marched up the hill to this hotel. And, um, and I, I had to give myself a little, like once I got there, I got anxious again. Um, you know, like, this is what am I going to, I'm going to cry. This is going to be really painful. This poor guy, he has no idea what he's in for. Like, he just thought he was picking up some local divorcee, you know, floozy at the bar. And she's about to like, you know, it's going to be a river of tears soon. I felt bad for him, frankly. I did. I was like, he has no idea, but I have to do it. I'm this far. So he went into the bathroom to, you know, do his own ablutions. And, um, I was so nervous about what the right thing to do was that I took off all my clothes and I just laid them out. Like I just, and as a more thinking like, well, I don't want to see this bra. It's really ugly. And then I took off the dress. I took off the belt. I took off the shoes. And then I was like, well, this thong's not looking so great either. It's a pretty old, I took that off too. I put everything in a pile on the desk and he came out and I was just standing there and we just kind of looked at each other and I said, is this too much? Like I I really was just saying, is this how, is this not how it's done? Like, did I overstep? Because this is so embarrassing. And he uh, looked at me and said, it's definitely not too much. And, um, and then he, you know, proceeded. So I finally broke my, I broke character um, a few minutes in. And I said, I have to confess, this is my first time. 
And I was lucky because he was so nice about it. You know, he was very patient and very gentle and kind and understanding that, you know, it was a hard moment for me. Um, but to be honest with you, it wasn't that hard. It was just great. I wasn't upset at all. There was a moment of pause where I was like, wow, this is pretty weird. It felt weird, but good weird, not bad weird. And I think it really made me realize. I, I, I think it was the first indication to myself of this one night stand. I never would have asked for such a thing. I never would have wanted such a thing. I never crossed my mind to have a relationship with a man who wasn't my husband. And I, I think when I realized how much I got, how satisfying that encounter was, I realized just how much I really didn't know about myself and how much I'd closed myself off in so many ways. Um, so it became, that it really catalyzed me to start going down this path of really just trying to get my, to know myself through encounters, through sex, through dating. Yeah. You know, I really, I would love to just acknowledge, I know um, when, when my marriage ended um, and with most of us, uh, with many, um, the sex life wanes um, prior to the marriage ending, you know, kids and busyness yeah. and, and conflict and what have you. I really felt like my inner woman was dead. Like I just thought yeah. like she's all dried up and crusty and she's, she's, she's gone to rest. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and, and much like you and mine was much more conventional, but um, I remember the first fella that I dated and the first kiss that I had, like just the kiss, forget about like taking a close yeah. up. This, this like, <laughs> like the juices started flowing and, and, and I like immediately knew that my woman is not dead. Yeah. She is, she has not gone to rest. Like she's in there and she's coming alive. And as I was reading your book, and especially that first encounter, like I got the sense that there was this part of you that um, was rising from the ashes. Yeah. I mean, the way you describe it is exactly how I felt. It was like confetti should have fallen, <laughs> come down. A, you know, a 10 piece band should have started playing um, like a rebirth. And uh, it wouldn't have surprised me any more than did the like electricity that I felt from the kiss. You know, it was so seismic. It was so noticeable. It was like, whatever I'm feeling, I haven't felt since I was a teenager, probably. Um, I definitely, it's been years, decades. And I don't, I think I also realized as soon as I had it, um, I, I realized that that was not a level that I thought I would ever be able to get back to with my husband, even though we had had a nice sex life, you know, early on, as I said, we were 20 years old. So we were very young and we had many, like nine years together before we had kids. So it wasn't always um, like the humdrum life, the humdrum, you know, sex life it became, but I didn't, I knew I felt very inhibited with him. You know, I had known him since I was so young that I think it wasn't really his fault. It was me in many ways feeling still very tethered to that young woman he had met and whatever that young woman he, he knew and that sort of conventional good girl, that, those were the lines I was going to stay inside with him. And even after discovering that I was actually much more outside those lines than I had known, I didn't think I could be with him. I just felt that our the, whatever we had settled into after 27 years of intimacy and sex, I did not think I would ever be able to break the mold with 
him. And I, I know that in the beginning part of it for me and, you know, being with different men was that I felt uninhibited. Like it's being anonymous, right? You're, you're suddenly anonymous. Whereas like somebody knows you and you know, they've seen you give birth and they've seen you sick and like, they've seen all these things about you. They see your horse. And now I'm like, these people are seeing me for one night or a couple nights. I felt very free and I felt very uninhibited and I didn't feel like I had to be the good girl anymore or do what I'd always done. I could do anything I want. I don't have to explain myself. It's not, I wasn't embarrassed. I felt totally free. It like, it totally freed this vocabulary in me. I mean, in the beginning, I don't know if you had this experience. Like I didn't even know how to talk about sex. You know, I didn't even know how to talk about, like I would describe it to my friends and we would giggle and it was like really funny. And they were so lovely, like so excited for me. But I, I would use these words that men would say to me. And I was like, my like eyes would pop open. Like, can you believe he said pussy? He said he wanted to fuck me. You know, I would be like horrified. Like, I hope that's okay that I say this on the show. So forgive me if it's not, oops, you'll have to edit it out. But I was really horrified. And like, and then I was like, oh, this is like, I get it. It's like people talk, it's fine. It's just another language. It's just another language I've never used before. So, you know, it's so interesting because there, I, I have a hundred questions I want to ask you, but I, but I really want you to share the flavor of what happened after that. So like part of me is thinking, you know, a lot of people could, um, uh, and I think especially women, like you have this beautiful experience. It's like, oh, let me, let me, let me connect on to that person. Like, oh, that was like, when can I see him again? Mm-hmm. But you, you went in a very different direction. Like you, it sounds like you were pretty clear that um, it just wasn't about whoever the fellow was so much that you were with as it, it was about you and your journey. So can you kind of share in your own words uh, what that first experience then uh in the journey it invited you into and, and, and how that, you know, how that, um, how that impacted your sense of self each step of the way. Well, I think it's funny because I'd always been, you know, like a serial monogamist in my life. I had three boyfriends and the third one I married. So I had never had a one night stand, um, in my life. I'd never had like even a fling really. It was always like a committed relationship. So it was odd, like when I said goodbye to the first guy, um, we didn't exchange numbers. He didn't ask me for mine and I didn't ask him for his. And I felt like, okay, we're just like two ships crossing, you know, and it was great. And that was all I needed. And it was very out of character for me. Um, And so I did think about it later. I kind of wished I'd gotten his number just so I could sort of thank him, honestly, um, because I felt like he really, he has no idea the role that he's played in my life. He's played a huge role. I think if I played that role in someone's life, I would want to know it. But um, I didn't even know his last name. You know, I can't find him. It was, that was not how it was meant to be. And I I do remember sort of waking up like the next day or a couple of days later and thinking, oh my God like I'm a new person. And also, oh my God, it's never going to happen to me again. Like that was pure luck. Now I'm back to being miserable. I'm still, you know, heartbroken. I've still got heartbroken children. I'm still trying to function. I still don't know what I'm doing. And I, I liked that feeling so much, but now I'm just myself and like not the best version of myself again. Um, but I, 
I, you know, the next like week, I think it was, I bumped into somebody I knew at the grocery store, somebody who had worked, done some work on my house once. And, um, you know, I think I did my shoulder shrugs again and, um, you know, batted my eyes a little and he asked me for my number and, um, and we ended up going out and I, and I went back to his house with him and that, and again, I, I tried to see him again because he was like a sure thing. I knew it wasn't going to be a relationship. We just came from two, like such different worlds and wanted different things. But I realized after that, that it was like all of these people were going to be like stepping stones for me. You know, that every one of them was going to help me understand something about human beings, um, about myself, about relationships, about the paths that we take to get where we're going but that I didn't want to stop with any one of them. Not because they weren't really nice or special or a lot of them were, a lot of them were people that I, th- I would have thought like, if this was five years from now, yeah, I would, this would be a great relationship, but that's not where I am. Where I am is I'm on the move. I'm on the prowl. You know, I want two things. I want not to be miserable and I want to have sex because it makes me not feel miserable and because it is teaching me something. And what's interesting to me is I have spoken to people since then, you know, more experts in the field who have said that they don't think like it's a good idea to use sex as a grieving tool. And I really disagree. I think actually we use what we have to use, you know, we use what works for us. And for me, it very much worked. I think if I used it in a way that made me feel denigrated or unhappy, that's not a tool, you know? So I think, isn't very important to know, especially I think with sex because it's so intimate and private and puts us in such vulnerable positions that we have to use that wisely, you know, and we have to be smart about it. I wasn't always, sometimes I did things that really weren't very smart. And in hindsight, I can see that. I couldn't see it at the time. Um, but I, I really learned that like, this is an amazing thing to use. It gives me, it makes me feel joy. I feel pleasure. I feel powerful. I feel like a, it gives me strength. As long as sex is giving me those things, then I want more of it. When it gives me feelings of vulnerability or weakness or fear, I don't want that. And really all I needed was like one very powerful experience that made me feel all those negative emotions to say, like, you got to be more careful. Like, you can't just give this away. Like, it's not, you're not obligated to give this to anybody. It's not working for you. Don't do it. And so it was part of my learning curve though. You know, I don't regret it. I have no regrets because I needed to learn that. And luckily, you know, I, I came out of it okay. Um, I don't, that part I don't recommend. So, you know, when people say like sex is not a grieving tool, if you use it the right way, it can be. It's just another form of communication. You know, that's my feeling is. And I think that, I, I think to piggyback on that, um, you're being really clear that, what you were feeling and experiencing was, was very positive and for you and, um, and for those who, um, have wounds because of sexual abuse and other such things, uh, that could be a very different experience. And, and so, you know, there is no right or wrong way. I mean, clearly what you did turned out to be very right for you. And, and I think that's the key is, you know, you go out and and you have sex and you, um, you feel good about yourself. You start noticing things about yourself. You start shedding limiting beliefs that don't work. That is, that's all very positive. And, and so each person has to be 
discerning based on uh, the experience that they're having. And and so in your book, you were like, okay, so I just want to, I want to meet and sleep with men. I want to just really enjoy doing this date, sleep with men. And you did that for a while and it was very positive for a while. And, you know, I, 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 uh, I want to invite everybody to pick up and read the book. It's going to um, put a smile on your face. It'll be titillating. It is, it's fun to read and it's very real. We have a special gift for you. Whether you're still emotionally entangled with your ex or not, imagining and creating your life after divorce can feel surreal for some, terrifying for others. Fears and limiting beliefs around financial security, building new friendships, health and fitness, and even finding healthy love can interfere with your ability to create the life you desire. Journey Beyond Divorce coaches can help you get clear on what you want and the obstacles that are keeping you stuck and guide you in manifesting your ideal life. We're here to help you enter this new chapter with more confidence and enthusiasm with a free jumpstart call. Visit journeybeyonddivorce.com backslash jumpstart to book your call today. share a little bit about uh, as you met and were intimate with more men, like what happened and, and when did you turn yet another bend? Well, I think as I went along, there were some that were sort of like summer romances that I knew, you know, they had a limited shelf life and that made it easy or like a one night stands that also made it easy that nobody was asking for a commitment. But there did come a point where um, a couple of people I started dating a little bit more frequently and I really liked them. And then the question is like, where is this going? Where do I want it to go? And those early days were very confusing because it was like I had gotten down the one night stand. I had mastered the like, you know, the, the, t- the sexy texts and the, you know, like seeing each other on a date or having like this really fun night together. But what I didn't understand was how that moved from that, you know, very casual kind of relationship to something more serious. And the thing is, if you're going to keep being with one person repeatedly over time, you're hopefully you're, you're connecting with each other in a way that makes it more serious. Um, so I had to really struggle within myself because I want real connections with people. I want to have real relationships with people, but I also wanted my freedom. I also wanted the room to just grow and explore without feeling tethered to anybody I was very clear with everybody I dated that I was dating other people. I was very clear that I did not want to get remarried, that I really didn't want anybody involved in my family's life, that it was really like my time with you or my time with my family and never the the two shall meet. Um, And I was never looking, I wasn't looking for another husband. So, you know, if I met people that were looking for something that more committed, I just knew it wasn't going to work out for us because it wasn't what I wanted. And yet I am like a very, I'm a very deep and genuine person. And I like to have meaningful relationships with people. So at some point, all of those very superficial relationships are going to add up to like, not enough. This is not 
enough. This is not what I want either. So there was somebody I started dating. Um, you know, I call in my book, I um, number the men like they're number one. It's basically like that year of my life was like number one through number 10. And there was one number six who I started dating and I was still dating other people for quite a while. And, um, and we really stumbled along because he, he was really nice to me and we really enjoyed each other's time together. And we had great sex and everything was moving in the right direction, but we were both out of long marriages and neither of us really knew what we were doing. And so we like fumbled all the time, you know, like I once invited him to come over to dinner with me and my daughter, even after saying, I'm never going to want you to meet my kids. And this is totally separate. I was like, well, I'm here. It's Friday night. She's a friend. Why don't you come make dinner? And he made a really like biting comment about his lack of interest in spending the evening with me and my eight-year-old and her friend. And I was like, and done. This is done. Okay. Um, I don't want to feel this way. I don't want to feel like my, even if I don't want you to know my daughter, I don't want you to feel that you don't want to know her. Like this this doesn't work for me. Um, But you know, we worked through it. We, we talked. And what I kept finding with him that was interesting was that we hit these moments where we handled things really badly. Um, you know, we said the wrong thing. We were hurtful. But what was amazing was that we had the ability to keep coming back and saying, by the way, I really didn't like it when you did that. And the other person would say, I'm really sorry. I didn't mean it that way. And I see how that affected you badly. And then we would move on. So we're still together. And it's been um, three and a half years. And, um, you know, I think that we still are like really um, have learned how to communicate well with each other. And I still tell him, like, I still won't be exclusive. I still want my freedom. And he respects where I am in my life. Um, You know, he was married, like naturally he was 40. So he had a much richer single life than I did. Um, you know, by the time I was 40, I had three children and I'd been married for like 15 years, whereas he was just getting married. So I said, you know, I'm like going reverse here, but I, I don't want to resent anybody I'm with. I don't want to resent him. I don't want to make him, I don't want to feel that I'm giving something up because someone's asked of me when I'm ready. I'll, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll commit to being in an exclusive monogamous relationship when I'm ready. Um, and if that's not good for him, he, you know, like you're saying about people making choices, he doesn't have to be in it. But I think we've learned, we've learned how to be intimate and how to communicate and how to care for each other without attaching a future to it. And for me, that's so strange because I was such a future oriented person. I always needed a plan. I needed to know where we're going and what was happening. And I'm actually quite content just being here now. I don't know what the future holds for us, but I enjoy our time together right now. And he does too. And so that's good enough for us which is amazing to me. Yeah, no, it's a, the, the entire um, path that you've taken has been really fascinating. And I'm wondering, 2020 hindsight, looking back on your marriage and maybe with fresh eyes as to what caused the dissolution aside from the infidelity yeah. itself, uh, how, would you, how would you speak to the strengths of the healthy romantic relationship you're in now compared to um, maybe some of the challenges that caused your marriage to dissolve? It's a really good question. Um, I mean, it sounds so cliche, but I think the number one thing is really good communication. You know, I think that we, my husband and I, we loved each other. We still love each other. 
you know, the, it's not a, it wasn't about affection or admiration or respect for each other. We certainly did, but we did not communicate well. And when I say communicate, I don't mean just like, what time will you be home? Oh, you'll be home at seven. I'll see you at seven. And then have them walk in the door at nine and say, did I say I'd be home at seven? You know, there's that communication and that was broken, but I'm talking about much more deep, deeply than that. Like the communication of like, what is making you happy in your life right now? What do you want for yourself? Where do you think we're going? How do you want to spend time together when we're not with the children? What, how do I fit into your life? Like, you know, those deeper questions, we were not having those conversations anymore. And so I think it allowed this incredibly, like maybe it started as a small crack, you know, and then it became an earthquake because it wasn't addressed. It, we, we just weren't addressing what he felt was this incredibly wide distance from what he wanted and where he was. And for me, like blinders, like it's all great. It's all fine. So I'd say communication is one thing. Um, I think a willingness to be curious and open is another thing. I think the, you know, number six who I'm, I'm dating now, I think that we are very respectful of the fact that there are things that we love to do together and things that we're a life that we have outside of each other. And that's very important to me always to maintain. I think my husband and I were really good about that, but what we weren't good at, we had such separate lives that we weren't so good about finding the commonality anymore besides the kids. The commonality was the children. It's very, this happens to so many people, right? Like your commonality is your kids. And then all of a sudden, like your kids are growing older and they become more independent. And like, if, I mean, I remember it was the first summer, my youngest daughter was going to sleepaway camp. So we were going to have two weeks with no kids, which was huge for us. Um, after, you know, like, I don't know, 16 years, my kids are 11 years apart. So it was like a long time. And I said, I'm so excited. Um, I'm going to see if Jessica wants to go away with me. She's my best friend. It didn't even occur to me to see if he wanted to do something with me. Like I, okay. I didn't even ask well, that's, him. That's a good example. It didn't even occur to me. And um, she was the person I wanted to go with. She was the person I had so much fun with and wanted special time with. What? So I didn't know, it didn't mean anything to me. No, no bells went off in my mind when I said that to him. And maybe they did for him. Uh, but now looking back on it, you know, and that's a very major red flag for me. It's a pretty, just pretty big red flag. Yeah, I'd say um, so. <laughs> so, you know, a number of the, uh, a number of the dating and relationship coaches have been talking about the importance, the, the vital importance of, um, of intimacy and emotional intimacy, um, physical, sexual intimacy. You're three years into this relationship with number six. I love that. That's what we're calling him. Whoever you are, number six. Um, no, he knows that's his number. So um, has the sexual intimacy waned? No, it hasn't. It really has stayed consistently good. First of all, we don't see each other every night. And I think that probably helps a little bit. So the expectation of like, you know, I, I'm with him when I don't have my kids. Um, so that's like every other weekend and maybe a couple of weeknights. Um, and so I think that. So it's a little exciting. Always. As, yeah. Yeah. But I have to say, I mean, if I don't see him for a week or two and then I see him, it's like, I want to, I want to be held by him. You know, that was never important in my life. I didn't never really wanted to be touched. 
And now if I've gone a couple of weeks, I haven't seen him. Like, I just want to be like wrapped up in his arms. You know, I want to be kissed by him. I want to, I want to be in bed with him. Like I, I really miss, I crave the, the physicality. So it really hasn't waned. I think in part because we both try to really treat each other. Like it's still very special. Um, I pay a lot of attention where I didn't before, you know, I'm much more aware of my lingerie drawer. Um, I'm much more aware of my grooming, like all these things that I just wasn't really paying attention to in my marriage anymore. I'm taking the extra time because it's really, again, this is the, it goes back to what I said in the beginning. It's less about him and about how it makes me feel. Right. So it's like, if I'm putting on sexy lingerie and I'm putting on this rose oil that smells so good, he'll notice all of it and he'll love it. But I feel so good. I feel like I'm finally taking care of myself. And so that makes me feel sexy. That makes me feel empowered. And then I think it just makes him respond to me, you know? And so we, no, we're, we're still, we're like teenagers sometimes. I mean, I'm like, why this is like the most sex I've ever had. And he's 15 years older than I am. So I'm like, I'm going to kill, this is going to kill you. This is going to be the thing that actually kills you. And he says it'll be a great way to go. <laughs> well, this is true with a smile on his face. Um, number six, <laughs> smile in his way right to the grave. Um, <laughs> so available, a very honest account of uh, life after divorce. Is that the is that the current tagline? Of yeah. It? yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm just going to share with with the listeners. I, I got an older version of the of the digital and it said a memoir of sex and dating after a marriage ends, which I also love that tagline as well. Um, and so. Uh, I want you to tell everyone how they can find the book, but do you have any kind of last words of wisdom or encouragement that you want to share? And our audience is both men and women. You can speak to both or just the women, whatever you're more comfortable with. But given this experience you've had and that you've now wrote a memoir around, what do you have to say? I mean, I think that you really have to fall in love with yourself before anybody else is going to fall in love with you. And so I think my biggest advice would be like, take care of yourself, whatever that means for you, you know, whatever it means for you to feel good about yourself. And I don't just mean physically, I mean, nourish your soul, you know, listen to the things I listen to books all the time and podcasts, books, podcasts, music that makes me feel good or makes me think I'm always learning. I'm like always like I, I consider myself an incredibly curious person. And I think that's another thing is like, if you're going to grow, you have to be curious about yourself and about other people. And every, you know, if you hear a hundred life stories, it will make you just think that much harder about your own. So I just think, you know, it requires a certain amount of bravery, you know, to step outside of your comfort zone, but it's really worth it. And if you, if you do it the way I did it, and it's kind of anonymous, it cannot come back to haunt you. You know, you just do it and it's done. And then you're, you know, I think it's like, I, I used to say a lot of the time, like, um, people would say it was so brave of you to go out that first night. And I would always say, actually, it was more, I was driven by fear of what would happen if I didn't, you know, fear of staying home, fear of not changing. Um, So I I think, you know, when people are listening and they're on the fence teetering as to whether or not they can bear doing it, just set your standards super low, set your expectations low. It may not be like, you know, like you and I had confetti falling out of the sky, but it might be. And if you don't try, you don't know. So that would be my, my last bit of advice I would say. 
Um, and I can be found on, you know, I'm, my book is available everywhere and, um, and it's also an audible. I, I narrated the audio version and, um, I write a medium and I'm on Instagram. It's my favorite social media. So I'm on there at Laura Frieden Williams. And I love hearing from readers or just from people who want to share their stories with me. And a lot of people have men and women, and I love it. It makes me so happy to know how my story resonates with other people. So if anybody wants to reach out to me, I'm, I always answer always. So feel free. Beautiful. Excellent. So one last time, the book is titled available a very honest account of life after divorce. You can find all of Laura's contact information in the show notes. We'll have everything hot linked for you there. Um, grab a copy of the book. It's a great summer read. It'll keep you chuckling and kind of get your juices flowing and, um, and reach out and have a conversation with her. And Laura, thank you so much for joining us, uh, for being the unconventional part of my <laughs> happy romantic relationship story as well and sharing so honestly and beautifully your, your journey. Um, and we wish you the very best of luck. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. So much fun. Yes. And we will see you again uh, in a couple of weeks with the next episode of Healthy Romantic Relationships. Until then, you take care. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us on the Journey Beyond Divorce podcast. I hope you found guidance and encouragement to help you along your journey. If you like my podcast, please take a minute to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes. You can also visit us at jbddivorcesupport.com, where our team of coaches support both men and women throughout one-on-one coaching, group programs, online courses, and free resources. Stay tuned for our next episode, and I'll talk to you soon.